Welcome to the European Treble, bringing you the latest football news from across the continent. Coming up on this week's show, in the Liga, the fallout from the Madrid derby. Are both teams now out of contention for the title and are Valencia the only potential contender to Barcelona after an eighth straight league win? Unlucky 13 for Benevento as a Serie A outfit set a new record for the worst start to a league season in any of Europe's top five divisions and a bad week for Buffon as Juventus lose away at Sampdoria following Italy's World Cup heartbreak. In Germany, where's it going wrong for Dortmund? Another defeat leaves them nine points off leaders Bayern. PSG extend the lead at the top of Ligue 1 going into this week's top of the table clash with Monaco. And finally, we preview all the biggest games across Europe this week, including Champions League and Europa League fixtures, all that and more in the coming hour. Yeah, so we've had an interesting week and in Serie A. Uh, we've had the Rome derby, we've had Juventus uh, suffering a defeat away to Sampdoria, and we've also had Benevento? Benevento? Benevento. Benevento, that's the one. My Italian pronunciation, very bad there. Uh, have basically broken a record. 13 games, 13 defeats. The worst in the top five leagues in Europe. And uh, you would have to say for them, if they stay up, it would possibly want to be the greatest miracles in club football. Uh, so with Juventus, uh, losing. Obviously, it's been a bad week for Buffon uh, with Italy and now Juventus. Uh, for me... I think they'll still win the league. I know there's a little bit of a gap between them and Napoli, but I think Juventus are one of those teams that will just come through it. A couple of years ago, started the season bad, won 19 league games on the bounce, won the league by nine, eight or nine points. I think they'll end up winning the league again. Does anyone disagree with that one? Anyone think there's going to be a team that's going to shock Italian I, football? I think we've seen so far it's been a um, a very... Interesting league, and to say that Juventus have got it, are still going to win it, is not necessarily a certainty. They've got obviously Napoli challenging four points clear at the moment. Uh, Inter have overtaken Juventus now, and Roma and Lazio are still there. So you're looking at a five-horse race. It's a, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think Juventus could slip up. I think it's um it's nice to see Italian football kind of having this mini revival. I mean, I say mini revival. The national side is obviously struggling. Um, and the quality of players for the Italian national side maybe not be there, but the competition within the league is definitely coming back after the last few years. Obviously, we've had Juventus dominate the division for you know God knows how long now, and so it's a bit refreshing to see teams like Napoli and Inter Milan and Roma really mounting a, a proper challenge, a title challenge, instead of just kind of being happy with coming second behind Juventus. Do I think they're the real deal? I think Napoli are the real deal this year. I think they've got. A good squad. I think they've got a good style of play, and they've and, and they've got a very good coach, uh, and they seem very settled in how they want to approach every single game. And the results are, you know, very positive. Um, Roma five five straight wins. Um, again, there's there's so many teams in the top of that division that could win the league this year. I don't think it's just going to be a, a one horse race with Juventus riding off into the sunset. Okay, so how good would it be for Buffon to finish the season? Yeah, he's not going to the World Cup, but if you can win the Champions League, the one thing he's never won, I think that'd be a fairy tale in itself. I agree. I think he's the kind of player that deserves that. That send-off situation is at the back end of his career. Yeah, if he's not going to get the league, the Champions League's not exactly a bad consolation prize. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say 
the league not so much I think maybe for Juventus and especially for Buffon the one that you would really want this year is that Champions League title cool cool and we've seen obviously over the weekend that other teams have uh, done quite well I mean everyone you've mentioned yourself Linus about Inter Milan did you see this coming? Uh, look at their squad you can't deny it's got the ability to do well um, players like Adair, Candreva, uh, and even at the back, you'll play like Ranocchia, who are decent players. And they've just taken that time to make that step up. And yeah, as Inter Milan have always sort of been my sort of Italian team, the sort of ones I've always wanted to do the best. And it's nice to see that they are getting back to where historically they should be. Mm-hmm. Jasper? Inter Milan, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have them back. Um, Luciano Spalletti, he's done a great, great job. He's come in there, he's galvanised the team. He's bought, he's bought sensibly, I think. He's looked at the weaknesses of that squad and he's bought players like Borja Valero, who have got great league experience. Um, and obviously the team already had quite a good core with players like Miranda and Icardi, who I think is a standout striker. and doesn't get, a true talent. Doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Um, but you can't say that this one's come out of nowhere it's been bubbling under the surface for the, for a while they haven't lost a league game this season so they've been keeping pace with Napoli um, you could say that they need to make sure that they do well in the bigger games because I think that could be the real downfall for this Inter Milan side that is if they lose those big games at Napoli Juventus and Roma they're going to struggle to compete um, so that's where the, re- the season's really going to hinge for them Okay and talking about one Milan club to another do we think there's been a power shift in, do we really still view AC Milan as this mega club or are they going to be a sleeping giant for a couple of years and they need to kind of build themselves back up? They're in the Europa League this season. Can they cause a challenge in the next couple of years, if not this season? It's funny you mentioned the Europa League. Um, obviously, AC Milan are favourites for that competition, uh, which I think is quite laughable. Um, yeah, I think I don't think... There. I, I don't see AC Milan winning it. I don't see AC Milan winning the Europa League. Um, I don't think the overall squad depth is there. I think there's some foundations have been laid this year with some of the, the purchases they've made. You look at the business and everyone went, wow, what a great transfer window. Benucci, Ricardo Rodriguez, um, Hakan Chalanoglu. These sort of players have got great European pedigree. It's not about the players anymore at AC. It's about being able to make them gel and make them play together in a cohesive system. Um, they've got a lot of good young players there and I think that the new owners have come in and they will want success and they'll demand success. So Vincenzo Montello, I believe, is the manager there currently. I think he'll get the year. I think he'll be allowed to kind of grow the project and really get his philosophy across. And I'd hope to see AC achieving the same sort of thing as Milan or Inter, sorry, uh, next year or the season after. I think the foundations are there for them to grow, but I don't think it's quite there yet. Okay. And we move towards the bottom half of Serie A. And uh, we'll start with <laughs> Benevento. Ah, Benevento. 13 games, 13 defeats. Does anyone give them a hope of staying up and being a Serie A club this time next year? I think you could all unanimously say no. Yep, They're definitely down. not. They're down. <laughs> the worst start by a team in one of the big five European leagues since Manchester United in 1930. Um, so... If they've had the worst start of anyone in, what's that, about 87 years, I think it's fair to say they're down. 
I think the big issue for Benevento is not only the fact that they're losing games, it's that they're losing games by some way. Uh, they're almost averaging three goals a game against, and they've only scored six. So, uh, you know, if you're conceding lots of goals and you're not scoring many, there's only one way you're going. There's, yeah, there's a difference between playing badly and like and getting bad results. You can get bad results and still go, you know what, there's still signs there of hope we can build on this. Benevento, it's it's just all bad, isn't it? There's there's no sign of staying up, so they're probably not staying up. Moving into La Liga, uh, we'll start with the Madrid derby. Uh, draw between the two sides, continued poor form for Ronaldo and Benzema in front of goal, and probably the biggest story from the game being Sergio Ramos's broken nose. Kind of sums up Madrid's start to the season and how it's been a bit lacklustre and not very interesting. Yeah, the result leaves uh, both teams on 24 points, 10 behind leaders Barcelona. Uh, the ball draw in the Madrid derby wasn't a good match to watch. Like I said, Ramos's broken nose being the most entertaining part. Uh, Ronaldo, Benzema, Griezmann, these guys aren't scoring this season and that's why the gap is so great and potentially leaves both teams already out of the title race. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really, really worrying for Real Madrid in particular. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo and Karim Benzema, the worst partner, strike partnership in La Liga. Who would have thought that a couple of months ago? I mean, I would say that between the two of them, it's kind of a bit of a competition now. If they kind of can finish second, I think they would probably take it right now. I mean, 10 points behind. Can you see them catching Barcelona? In my opinion, I think it's... No, it's not going to happen. So we're saying we don't think the Madrid teams can catch up. We're, we're almost writing them off for the for the league. I'd, I'd say that Madrid may be able to make it up, but Valencia are definitely looking like the strongest outfit in terms of the only people who could really pose some sort of threat to Barcelona at the moment uh, yes an 8th straight league win 9 uh, on the 29 competitions uh, only 4 points behind uh, so you can't write them off Barcelona of course still the favourites they're definitely going to be in this situation but Valencia have been the surprise package this season they've been a surprise package but I don't see them keeping it up I mean last season they finished mid-table the season before that was a bit of a car crash to say the very least I think for them, if someone said to them, you can finish in the top four come the end of the season, I think they would take it right now if it was offered to them. Obviously, big game this weekend. The top two teams face each other in Valencia. A win for Valencia there puts them one point behind the leaders. It could change, but Barcelona, for me, they're not playing great football, but I just don't see them losing a game anytime soon. They're kind of getting the job done, and it, for years people always criticised them. They would either win 5 nil or... They would struggle to break teams down. They're actually now winning games 1-0 or 2-0. I see Barcelona winning this. I think, for me, Valverde has to prove that he can win this type of game because so far it's been kind of a bit of an easy ride for him. I think Valverde has done a very, very good job at Barcelona this season. Um, he's obviously lost Neymar in the summer, which none of us really expected. He's had Usman Dembele come in to almost be his replacement flair player. Uh, be that creative spark in and around Messi and, and Suarez who are expected to score all the goals. And he's had to really adapt the style of the team. Uh, he's changed the approach two or three times. It's worked, it hasn't worked. All you could say is they're not playing a very Barcelona brand of football at the moment, but it's getting the job done. No, I think we'll be sitting here next week after this Valencia-Barca matchup, and we'll be saying the title race is on or it's off. 
the result at the weekend is crucial. If Barca do get the win, it's seven points this early on. Even now, you'd say Barca won't drop it. If Valencia can cut it down to one, then you never know. They could... The pressure could start to mount and we could be seeing new La Liga champions. I think it's a big opportunity this weekend as well. Um, Gerard Piquet received a yellow card, which Valverde said was excessive at the weekend. So he will now miss that fixture. We're going to see a makeshift Barcelona defence. Do you think with the attacking threat that Valencia have had in the early stages of the season, that they can really capitalise on that? Uh, yes, yeah, so you you know that most big teams have to build. Actually, any team has to have a solid defence and the core partnership between two centre-backs is crucial to any team. Uh, and it's going to be makeshift now. It's going to be Umtiti and one of Mascherano or Vermaelen, which though that's a comment that hasn't really worked before. So Valencia will look to capitalise on that. And that, that could be the reason as to why they maybe can snatch the win from the Catalonians. Moving forward, Ibarf score five against Betis. Their first win in 10 games. Um, 10-man Betis team. Yeah, now four points clear, um, which is huge going into the fact they've got Alaves away at the weekend. Uh, so they've, they've got that that cushion now. If Alaves win uh, against Ibar, they're still not out of out of danger. So a huge, huge result for Ibar against Betis. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's very bizarre at the bottom of the table. I mean, Ibar beat Betis five 0 but then Betis beat Real Madrid earlier in the season. I think it'll be very. I think. Already, I think you're looking at the bottom of the table and going, it's going to go down to the last day. There'll probably be one team will have gone by then. I mean, I'm really shocked how bad Alaves have been this season compared to how great they were doing last season. But I think it'll be very kind of back and forth all season between the sides of the bottom. And now we go to the Bundesliga. Um... A pretty normal weekend, to be honest, had Bayern Munich winning uh, and then sort of just the results you'd expect. Uh, Schalke won, Mönchengladbach won in a very entertaining game against Hertha Berlin. The big story really is Dortmund losing again, uh, a 2-1 uh, defeat away at Stuttgart. They've now dropped nine points off leaders Bayern and they're out of the Champions League spots. What have you guys made of this poor run of form from Dortmund lately? Um I think the Stuttgart game is a difficult game. Uh, they're very, very strong at home. They don't give away many goals. Uh, they haven't lost at home, I believe, in the calendar year. But in terms of Dortmund, where's it all going wrong? Peter Bosch seemingly got off to a flying start. They were scoring goals plenty, and then recently they've really stalled. And I think the problem being for Dortmund is they don't really have a plan B. Um, you couple that with obviously whatever's happening with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and, it, and it's not very good reading for them at the moment. Yeah, it, it's it's worrying. I mean, they start the season really well and you think to yourself, oh, here we go, you know, back back, back in business. But the Champions League campaign's been pretty dire. I mean, to go playing Nicosia home and away and fail to win either match. I think it's hard to say, but... I would kind of think maybe is it maybe is there like little trend of kind of getting back to prominence? Are they kind of back to where they should be, or are they just kind of going through a bit of a lull at the moment? It's kind of hard to explain. Well, yeah, just a few years ago, obviously everyone was on that sort of the Dortmund hype train when they won back-to-back league titles, that Champions League final, mm. and they haven't really been an entity since that since that point. 
they've been there and they've actually had Wolfsburg came up and overtook them, Leipzig came up and overtook them, and you see now they're down in fifth, Munchen Gladbach above them, Leipzig above them, Schalke above them, and yeah, it's it's hard to work out what's the there's not just one singular issue there at Dortmund. And you saw they've lost their chief scout. Uh, he's gone to Arsenal. And he was the kind of guy that was bringing in the likes of your Lewandowski's, your Goethe's, your Bamiang's. And now they've lost another key player in that backroom staff. Well, how are they going to fix this? I think there's a lot of issues at Dortmund behind the scenes at the moment. Um, ever since the Tuchel departure, uh, they, they decided to axe Thomas Tuchel because he had some sort of issue with the board. They've obviously just lost Sven Millinslat to Arsenal, who's obviously their chief scout. And then there's obviously this kind of there's something happening behind the scenes with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, this is the second time this season he's missed a game because of off-the-field incidents. Um, there's rumours of a move to China. There's rumours of a move to PSG, which I obviously now Mbappe's gone there is very unlikely. I just don't see where Dortmund have kind of they've moved off the track they 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 had everything going swimmingly well they were they everyone was basing their model on them the the fact that they bought in good young players developed them sold them on if necessary but they were achieving great great things and then all of a sudden it seems that they've changed their mindset and they've changed how they're going to do things well they'll be looking obviously to uh get back on track soon and no better way to do that than against your uh, most heated rivals Schalke at the weekend. That uh, is the big match in the next uh, load of Bundesliga fixtures. Because we have good matches in there. Uh, Munchen, Gladbach and Bayern. Uh, Bayern are seemingly walking away with the league again. Uh, six points clear of both Schalke and Leipzig. Uh, is this another Bayern championship? I would probably say so. I mean, Jupps came in. He's kind of like sorted out the mess that was there, what? Basically, kind of seem to be eating away at itself with Ancelotti. Uh, I think they'll probably they'll probably will win the league again. I think they've got probably the best squad in that league. I mean, when when that squad is on point, you would probably say you would expect them to get to the last stage of the Champions League and have a good run in the uh, German Cup. So I think everything is kind of very rosy in the Bayern Munich Garden. Will it stay like that? We'll just have to wait and see. But I would definitely say that they will finish the season with at least one trophy, and I would say it'll be the Bundesliga. I think it's fairly depressing to say that a league's over already. Um, it's only a six-point gap. Anything can happen. Everything would point towards another Bayern Munich win. But I think what's great about the Bundesliga this year, like we've said with Italian Serie A and La Liga, is that the, the divisions are a lot more competitive behind the front runners. We've been very used to having the same teams win in every division. We've had the PSG dominance. We've had Madrid and Barcelona dominance. We've had Juventus dominance. And, and we're starting to see these leagues really kind of become more competitive at the top of the table. I mean, you look at the Bundesliga this year, we've got Schalke, Leipzig, Mönchengladbach, Dortmund and Hoffenheim who are all within three points. So that chase for for the four Champions League spaces and the Europa League spots is going to be, I think, great. I think the Bundesliga this year is definitely going to be a league that you can watch throughout the year and it's going to have a really interesting story kind of unfold. Yeah, the top of the table is looking quite exciting. Down at the bottom, uh, Cologne 12 games in, just two points. This is a side that got into the Europa League, and in the Europa League, they've put up some decent fights. You saw them uh, on the first match, they go away to Arsenal and played extremely well. Why why aren't they translating that into Bundesliga results? 
maybe they overachieved last season, if if I'm being honest. Maybe they kind of pushed above their own weight and now it's kind of, it's maybe the whole thing of, oh, we've got the league to focus on, we've got the cup to focus on. We're now also in Europe, we're playing against a team like the stature of Arsenal. Maybe it's just one of those where they've got to like the top of their so-called mountain and now they're starting to realise, oh, maybe we haven't got the squad, maybe we haven't got the players. I mean... To be honest, at the bottom of that league, there is some teams that you wouldn't kind of expect to be there. I mean, Hamburg for years have been struggling. Stuttgart are back, but they obviously, after winning the Bundesliga a couple of years ago, got relegated. I think sometimes there's just certain teams where they just know where they just kind of start to struggle with the more competitions they're in after kind of pushing above their own expectations. Yeah, at the bottom after Cologne, you do have from uh, 17th to 13th, Freiburg, Werder Bremen, Hamburg, Berlin, and Wolfsburg all been six points. Uh, so, like I said, it's going to be uh, quite an interesting season, both at the top and the bottom in the Bundesliga. Um, a pretty decent weekend, like I mentioned, Dortmund, Schalke, Leipzig, Werder Bremen, and uh, Mönchengladbach versus Bayern. So, things are looking to heat up in the Bundesliga. So in France, we'll start with Monaco, held to a 1-1 draw in Amiens on Friday. Despite an equaliser from Steven Jovetic, they dropped two points in the League One table. Um, that now leaves them six points behind leaders PSG, looking a bit unassailable at the top of the table. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing to see because the Monaco um, defending champions, and it looked like they were going to be um, good challengers to PSG. Obviously, that's not to say it's over, but you can it, you maybe say that it's the... Uh, the Mbappe effect, they've lost their star player, he's gone to PSG, PSG now back on top. Nah, I mean, it, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I mean, yes, Monaco defending champions. For me personally, I would love to see them win it again because obviously for years you had PSG winning it, winning it and winning it and everyone was kind of starting to go, is it just the PSG league? No one's kind of competing with them. But I think what could kind of come back to bite PSG is I think with signing Neymar, it's not about winning the league, it's not about winning the Cups, it's about going for the Champions League and I think they'll really go for it after Christmas and I think if you've got to say a player tough two-legged tie against Juventus away, can you then come back and play the likes of Montpellier or Bordeaux and be up for it like you would Champions League tie? I don't think this title race is over, one shadow of a doubt. I think you might be right, I think that later stages of Champions Leagues are very much PSG's aims and if they get there then that will have a big impact on how they use their squad. Um, another thing to look at is uh, kind of the re-emergence of Lyon. Um, I think that's a really positive thing for French football. One of the most successful clubs, obviously, in the league's history. They're having a bit of a resurgence. You look at the spending that they made over the summer and they brought in some really good players. Um, Bertrand Troyo of Chelsea obviously had a great year at Ajax, went to a Europa League final. He's gone there and he's done very, very well. That sort of... Young up-and-coming players, very highly rated. They're giving them a platform and, and it's working for them. They're three points behind Monaco, sat in third place, four wins on the bounce. Yeah, they're doing very well considering over the summer they lost star players such as uh, Corentin Tolisso and Alexander Lacazette. You wondered uh, if they could recover from that, but yeah, like you said, the, um, the likes of Neville Fakir and the signs they've made have been really, really impressive. And it's good to see Leon fighting again, growing up, um, myself, obviously, you saw us when Lyon had their was it seven league titles back to back, and were the team in France. They dropped off, but they are starting to make a fight back. And 
like Monaco, um, without having too much pressure, they're in the Europa League, but they could they could potentially challenge, maybe if not this season, in years to come. We'll move down to the middle of the table. Um, well, just down from the top. Nonce sat in fifth position. Claudio Ranieri effect. He's back at it again, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, was it last season? Nonce were like, actually horrific and somehow stayed up in the league. I mean, it's it's kind of good to see these teams kind of pushing, basically doing what you would probably regard as what Burnley are doing in the Premier League, punching above expectations. But, uh, yeah, so obviously Ranieri leading Leicester to that Premier League title, then unceremoniously dismissed, um, too much uh, controversy, and he's gone to Nantes and he's doing really well. All I'm saying is if he's not doing dilly ding dilly dong in French, I am not happy. <laughs> uh, we'll move to the bottom of the table. Uh, the big standout teams down there, 17th position, Nice on 14 points after 13 games and Lille in the bottom two, currently in the relegation zone, 12 points out of 13 games. Both teams struggling after seemingly decent campaigns in the last few seasons. I mean, Lille maybe not so much, but Nice have been in and around the Champions League in and around the Europa League and they've really faded away and they haven't lost players. They've no, still got they Balotelli, haven't. they've still got Wallen Cyprian, they've still got Jordan Seri who was linked with Barcelona. They haven't really lost the core of their side but they are struggling big time. I think the issue is the side, whilst they didn't uh, lose players, the players they bought in haven't been impressive. People like uh, Wesley Schneider who in his day was a fantastic player but there's a reason why he spent the last few years at the likes of Galatasaray and that. Uh, He's in the late stage of his career, so all these, all their big moves were for players that aren't able to compete at the top end anymore, and they're now suffering for that kind of recruitment. Mm-hmm. I um, would agree. I mean, I think also what kind of hurt Nice at the start of the season was not getting into the Champions League proper. I think they kind of focused on that last season. They, were, they flirted with going for the league, but thought, OK, we can finish in the Champions League place, we'll trying basically enter the group stages. I think because they were dismantled so badly by Napoli, I think confidence has just sapped out of them and I think it's just kind of affected their whole league season so far. So moving on to Lille, um, a team that a few seasons ago were really challenged for the title or, or European positions, uh, they've obviously suffered after the losses of big players such as Hazard and then Javinho. That squad is very much dismantled and since then they've been on very steady decline. At the weekend they lost 3-0 to Amiens sorry on Monday night they lost 3-0 to Amiens yeah it's it's the issue when you become a seller club is that you can see some seller clubs like sort of Benfica in Portugal and that they can sell and still rebuild Lille weren't able to do that because their selling was just the one or two big money deals it wasn't a matter of they had loads of prodigies coming through when they lost um the likes of Eden Hazard and, to a lesser extent, players like Javinho, who in the French League were tearing it up. Obviously, people like Javinho didn't necessarily have reached that power outside of France. But when you lose those kind of players and you don't really have a core to fall back on, you struggle. And unfortunately, Lille have found that out the hard way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like quite horrific to see to be honest I mean you win the league in 2011 and ever since you've kind of it possibly been one of the worst things that could have happened in the fact that they've been so unlucky with players moving on they've got this new fabulous stadium 
but they just haven't been able to kind of maintain a good run in the league. And I think, again, very similar. They kind of remind me a bit of, like, Auxerre, who years ago were doing really well in the French League and have kind of gone off the face of the earth. And I just think it's the same thing that's happened with Lille, to be fair. And then this weekend, we got a couple of really nice-looking games. Nice at home to Olympic Lyonnais. Uh, and then obviously the big matchup, Monaco PSG on Sunday evening. Yes, uh, especially Monaco PSG, much like we were talking about uh, earlier with uh, Valencia Barcelona. If PSG win that game, it's not looking good for anyone catching them. If Monaco do and cut that gap to three points, you never know. This title race could be very well uh, alive and kicking, as you guys were discussing earlier. Yeah, I think Monaco will. I think Monaco have got a lot to prove, and I think they will win over the weekend. I think the last season Monaco didn't lose to PSG, and I think they'll kind of carry on this run, especially with the Mbappe thing, which will be getting brought up in the next couple of days. Yes, because Mbappe can't play, can he? Uh, because he's a loan player, not a transfer. But I would like to see Monaco win. I'd like to see it kind of go for them two to go head to head for the rest of the season, and not just become the PSG show like it's been in previous seasons. And finally, we are on to the big European matches. Uh, we have the Champions League, Dortmund, Atletico, Napoli, Monaco, four big teams in their respective leagues, all on the verge of going out in this match day. Uh, Monaco are away to Leipzig, and the winner of that match is out. Even Leipzig, that's a big scout. Where is, where is it going wrong with these big teams in Champions League matches? I think basically probably one of the explanations would be that maybe the Champions League has is becoming more competitive than what we actually thought. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were all like, it's the same teams getting to the Champions League semi-finals, blah, 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 blah. But now you're kind of seeing this competitiveness between everyone and everyone's actually given a good account of themselves. I mean, yes, some teams have played four games, lost four games, but you look at a lot of the groups and it's it's really, really tight. Yeah, especially when you look at someone like uh, Atletico Madrid in Group C, Roma, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid and Carabag. Obviously, Carabag were expected to be the whipping boys of the group. They have been for everyone but Atletico. Um, but you would have said probably at the start of that group that Atletico Madrid would have topped it. At the start of the season, they were probably the strongest team in that group. They were the pot one team. And they're now one game away from elimination. Um, I think that Roma have surpassed everyone's expectations. I think everyone knew that they would be very, very tough to be in Rome. However, it would be how they perform on the road. Uh, they've been very strong in the league this year, and obviously that's kind of transcended and carried across through to Champions League. Continue with Italian football, personally, I think the most interesting matchup from the week is going to be that Barcelona-Juventus game. Um, obviously, Barcelona undefeated so far this season in the league, um, seemingly walking their Champions League group. Um, and then obviously Juventus with Buffon not playing at the weekend and losing. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, the idea of that's now, we're at the World Cup there, that's the target for Buffon, you imagine personally, is getting that Champions League. He's going to have that that fire in him to want to pull out a good display and get revenge. Obviously Barcelona uh, smashed Juventus 3-0 in the match in Barcelona. So welcoming them back to Turin. Juventus are going to want to get revenge. Uh, another big matchup: uh, Tottenham, Borussia Dortmund. 
uh, Tottenham riding high off uh, the victory against Real Madrid, and it's in Dortmund. Obviously, at Wembley, Dortmund were pulled apart by Spurs, and they're now having to fight for their place in the Champions League. If they do not win, they are out. I could see a very repeat performance from Wembley, in my opinion. Um, I think Spurs looking to react from the weekend after poor performance at Arsenal, arguably their worst performance of the season, um, against the Dortmund team who have had a very very bad run of games. Um, I don't see how Dortmund are going to turn around what's going wrong there in five in, from the last five games into the Champions League. They've been very, very below par in the competition so far this year. And the most shocking thing with that is it's not just elimination from the Champions League. It's the fact that obviously Apple World do have to play Real Madrid and Tottenham, but they have got results against big teams in the past. Dortmund faced the possibility of not even making the Europa League. I mean, yeah, that would be unthinkable. You looked at the start of the season. I mean, in my opinion, I looked at that group and thought Tottenham aren't going to finish in the top two. No way. The Wembley factor, the playing Real Madrid, who at the time were the untouchables. And Dortmund, you know, with Dortmund, they're always going to kind of be competitive. They played Tottenham a couple of years ago in the Europa League and utterly humiliated them. Uh, It would kind of be a massive big shock, but it would also say to everyone else that the Champions League has definitely become more competitive from top to bottom. Yeah, um, elsewhere you have the likes of Shakhtar Donetsk, Liverpool, Seville. All these teams could confirm their places in the round of 16. Liverpool knows quite a close one to you, Ben. What do you think of their chances of getting past a tough Seville team I mean, tonight? The thing is with Sevilla, we've got a bit of bad history with them. We played them, obviously, the Europa League 2016. In my opinion, threw away that final. And obviously drew with them in September at Anfield. I would say if Liverpool can come away with a draw, I would take a draw right now, go to the last game with Spartak Moscow at home. Obviously, we know with Russian teams, they do really bad away from home. It's Their, their record is horrific with all the clubs, Zenit, Spartak. Uh, so I would, I would happily take it to the last game if you can only get a draw tonight. I would, I'm quite happy that Shakhtar Donetsk are doing well because they're having to play in a different city. And it kind of just proves that, yes, everyone was saying about the Italian football has become more competitive, but the fact that Napoli are doing so bad in the Champions League, it's kind of like two different two different teams are turning up in two different competitions. I was just about to touch on that. Napoli at, at risk of going out of the competition this evening. Um, it is very surprising. They're playing such brilliant football, even against Manchester City. The the Manchester City-Napoli game, for me, has has been the highlight of my football year so far. That game... I think epitomised two teams at the top of their game playing great football, both going for a win. And it, I think it's a real shame that we may lose Napoli from the competition. Um, and then obviously the group after that, that's Group F. Group G, uh, Besiktas, Porto, Leipzig, Monaco. What a group that's been. You look at those teams and you think that's... Ben was touching on how it's been competitive. That's a very competitive group. That is a group of dark horses, isn't it? They're, they're all teams that if they were in any other group, you'd look at them as a, as a danger. They're all clumped into one underdog group, really. And Monaco are struggling. Um, Leipzig have been hot and cold, but Porto and Pesiktas have been the two teams who are really kind of picking up results, both home and away. Yes, so they are. they've been very impressive. Away from the Champions League, we go to the, the little brother, the Europa League. Uh, much like the Champions League, you've got a lot of teams looking to qualify or avoid elimination 
this match day, you've got some really, really interesting groups. A lot closer than some Champions League groups. The big one for me is Group J. You've got Ostersunds, Zoya, Atletico Bilbao and Hertha Berlin. Uh, 0.7654. That is incredibly, incredibly close. And the two uh, prominent teams, Bilbao and Berlin, are the ones at the bottom of the group. You mentioned that Bilbao are a prominent team. Um, obviously, since they've lost Valverde in the summer to Barcelona, they've really, really struggled for league form. Um, and it's kind of transitioned and transcended into their Europa League campaign. Um, Zoria have definitely been the surprise. They've obviously come from nowhere. They've qualified from the Ukrainian Premier League, um, and they've very much been kind of the surprise package in that group. Yeah, you look at um, look at some other groups. So uh, Group H, obviously... Arsenal qualify, looking to just top the group. But then you've got uh, Red Star Belgrade, Barte Borisov and Cologne all in just two points of each other. Cologne uh, welcome Arsenal to their ground whilst Borisov play Belgrade. Uh, again, it's just the theme of the Europa League. All the groups seem to be really, really close. Everyone really wants to get through with that incentive of a Champions League spot. And for a lot of these clubs, a European day out it's a, a big deal for these clubs isn't it oh yeah I mean definitely I mean I think a lot of people underestimate the Europa League I mean there is some good teams in the Europa League I mean you talk about Bate Borisov I mean this is pains for me to say Bate Borisov been in the Champions League regularly more than Liverpool have in the last couple of years so there is some teams that they're not world beaters by f- nowhere near but they are good teams that will give any team who they play a challenge and the fact that it is more competitive, I think people should kind of look at the Europa League and go, do you know what, that is actually, we shouldn't laugh at it anymore, we shouldn't just make fun of it and be like, oh, you're in the Europa League. I think people need to look and think, the Europa League has got some really good potential and the fact that there'll be some teams that who go down from the Champions League to the Europa League who will not progress as far as what you would probably think. I'd like to touch on Atalanta. Um, I think that that group is very interesting um, you look at Atalanta topping the table Leon sitting in behind and even Limassol ahead of Everton who are, have only picked up one point that that for Everton is a big 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 negative I mean they've struggled in the Premier League but to have qualified for the Europa League last year and then seemingly wasted their, their opportunity in that competition it, it's, it's, it just adds to the turmoil at that club at the moment yeah, they really, really disappointed. Uh, and in that group, Atlanta play Lyon this uh, match day in a match that will probably determine who tops the group. So everything to fight for in that game. You touched on the competition in the in the Europa League. I was just, you just scroll through the teams. The the following teams here, they're in the Europa League. They would not surprise you in the Champions League. Villarreal, Hoffenheim, AC Milan, Lyon, Atalanta, Arsenal, Marseille. Bilbao, Berlin, Lazio, Nice. Those are all teams. If you saw them in the Champions League this year, you wouldn't be shocked in any way, shape or form. Uh, I think that really is a testimony to the competition of the Europa League this season. That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for listening and find us on SoundCloud and all the usual podcast places. Tweet us your thoughts and feedback at RepsadShiner, BenJohnson93 and LylasH96 using the hashtag European Treble. And we'll be back next week with all the latest from the world of European football. 